You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast Deer Season Special. These bonus episodes revolve around deer hunting stories and experiences from a host of deer hunters. These whitetail hunting BS sessions will be launched every week during the 2023 hunting season, adding fuel to your fire in the deer woods. Be entertained and hopefully learn something along the way. The title sponsor of the Deer Season Special Series is Vantage Point Archery, home to the toughest machined one-piece broadheads made in the USA. VPA products are built to last, which is why they have a lifetime warranty, and if you're not completely satisfied, you can send it back, which I highly doubt will occur. New to the lineup this year is VPA's Omega Broadhead. It combines the features of a single bevel with strength of a double bevel. This broadhead also comes with lay flat sharpening technology. You heard right, a single bevel broadhead you can lay flat and sharpen without a jig. You can find the Omega and all the other broadheads at vparchery.com. The Pennsylvania Woodsman is also brought to you by Radix Hunting, home of the MCOR cell camera, stick and pick camera accessories, and much more. Also brought to you by Vitalize Seed, a one-two planting system designed with diversity and biology in mind, making it the best food plot available. And lastly, by Huntworth Gear, quality hunting clothing at an affordable cost, makers of heat boost technology. This week's episode, we're joined by none other than the man himself, Johnny Stewart. Johnny and I have a conversation at the end of summer, beginning of fall, leading up and hyping into deer season. We discuss the kill of the buck that he had last year early season, and then we dive into hunting pressure and interpreting the woods based on hunting pressure. It's an all-around great deer hunting conversation, and as many of you know if you've listened to an episode with John, John just lets the ball roll and speaks whatever's on his mind, and there's always something to pull from Johnny. So enjoy this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Joining me on this week's show, Mr. John Stewart, none other than the man himself. How you doing, man? I'm good, Mitchell. I'm doing, you know, pretty good. It's summertime where we're, you know, I can tell the the daylight is shortening. You know, we're swinging into that. Just you put enough years around the the sun there, and you could you can kind of um, see it, sense it, feel it coming, just like that big old buck. You know, it's it's coming. I so, went on, I went on vacation uh, back in in uh end of july beginning of august and when i was uh when i was there it dipped down and it was getting into like the high 50s low 60s at night but it was that first time throughout the summer where like the light switch flipped and it was like man this this feels good this almost feels like archery season yeah it's and it's fat it'll close in on us fast you know what 
yeah was beginning of october we got you know we're all through august six weeks maybe and that's gonna burn up real real fast you know it never takes like i said i feel like it's so cliche to say it but it's so true i feel like every year leading up to hunting season gets shorter and shorter or feels shorter and i don't know if it's yeah. because i just keep packing more and more things into my daily life but it just seems like it gets here so much quicker every year. And I don't – there's a part of me that's like, enjoys that, and there's a part of me that really doesn't because as quick as it comes, it's as quick as it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same way. I feel like it is. It's The time is like, man, I, I want it to slow down a little. I don't know, maybe just getting older. I'm like, because it's going to come here again, and then like you said, it's going to be gone so fast. Um, it's just going to fly by. But you're, you're right, and I guess – like you said, I got I do put more on my plate and and but I do just think you know time is you start sense that time is limited on Earth you know and you're just like the older you get it's like going faster and you try to you, you I think I reminisce you know past experiences and, and it just kind of like you know gets you in, in tune with hunting and and yeah it comes and goes man. Do Crazy. you uh, do you think that got worse since like since you got uh... You know, you you have your own business and you're busy excavating, and there's a lot more on your shoulders with that. Does it does it seem like that made it worse? I think so. It definitely does, because um, I, I got more to plan for for employees and and bid on fine work and, and make sure I, you know, get all my ducks in a row so I can go hunting. Like years ago, I worked for a guy, and it was just hey, I was younger, and I said when October's coming i'm gone i didn't have things to worry about you know like the business owner does so yeah it's it's a lot tougher you know i, I mean there's times when <clears throat> i got through october and didn't hunt much and like november rut was coming and like i wanted to cry because i'm like i didn't get out you know being a business owner so um but now i definitely make time you know when i have a good crew of guys that know that hey this is what i do and and, you know, we talk about that beforehand and a lot of guys are, a lot of my guys are just, some of them are retired to where it's like, yeah, I love doing something in the summer working. And when you go hunting, it's like, they're like, not like you're hurting for really money. Like, oh, we have to work. So yeah, you know, so that, that helps me. It's kind of fun. My niche, what helps me, you know, to do what I can do, um, take off so like i saw last year you did get out a little bit more earlier in the hunting season than you normally do but you always talk about like when hunt mode switch flips and that's does that change every year like when's it looking like hunt mode's gonna flip on for you this year so yeah i was out last year we were in north dakota early i missed a big deer and it, it kind of that was end of august early september and my mind was messed up because it was like i'm not used to like and i come back and there was still work to be done till like i was in west virginia and ohio but it was weird yeah i was in hunt mode and i'm like no i gotta come back and work for two three weeks it was it really messed me up um but i stayed in a good hunt mode last year did a lot of hunting this year <clears throat> i think i'm i still got some work to do as far as cameras and i'm i've been working on my target panic um this year there's one thing i haven't really worked on and i've had it for man 20 30 years and i just kind of brushed it under the rug didn't have time or just didn't maybe want to deal with it you know and being that i am 
wanting to be be serious about it. It's it's one of my weak links. Um, so I'm going to work through that through August yeah, into September to feel like um, to be more more ready when when that shot time comes. I feel like that's one of my weak links is you know, and I would shoot less because of my target panic. The more I shot, I mean, I'd shoot ten arrows before the season, and I'd go hunt. And I was confident in killing deer. I, but I think when you're getting out 30, 40 into 50 yards, I wasn't, you know, that, that was a weak spot for me to wear. Uh, and I got a new bow this year. I went with Prime. And so, man, my whole bow was 13 years old. You know, so I'm like, I thought I had something. I'm like, this thing. Are you enjoying you shooting your new bow? Oh, you know, yeah, I am. I'm still not, uh, I'm still kind of in around a 20 yard mark, just kind of working on um, execute my shot, you know. Um, following through, squeezing, and and stuff like that. But compared to my old bow, like I said, my my other bow was 13 years old, you know, and I thought it was a good. I was like, man, this is a pretty good bow. And then I got a new one. I'm like, man, that thing sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's amazing. How a lot that happened. In a lot happened in 13 years that I wasn't aware of. You know what I mean? <laughs> what bow? Too busy in work mode. But no, you you were able to connect on a, a pretty nice buck there in the in the beginning of the season, West Virginia. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, maybe October second. The the um man, it was a uh, east wind, which was rare for our situations. Uh, I mean, our predominant winds are southwest, west right. based winds, northwest, whatever. And yeah, he was coming from the east. Um, had him on camera. And he was the biggest deer in the area, um, and working up his ridge working west for like a piece of private ag um and it was a 40 minute walk back in there and i mean without that east wind i think also it was a three or four day east wind and i said i i have to go hunt because that's the only way he was bedding down on private and um it was a cut and i had him coming up out of that private and, and working a east east west ridge um towards that uh that ag maybe you know browse until to get it and i had the does come and then he was like the last one and there was another good deer there and um i just felt them three or four days with that east wind and no not much pressure that time that early back in there that far i felt i was gonna probably kill him and um i remember getting in a tree and my buddy nathan killian from north carolina we were talking text him back and forth he was actually going to north dakota and i just come back so we were talking about hunting and i said hey um i took a, it was weird i took a picture i was right on the edge of the like the cut and i sent it to him like i said this buck comes a little draw coming up out of it was like a east west ridge and, it, and, it, and the hill went down the north side gradual but um there was just off to my right, if I'm facing north, it was a little bit of a, a draw with some thick stuff up in there, just to and thermals to just kind of gravitate toward that. You know what I mean? But um, I took a picture and I told Nathan, I'm like, this deer comes right up through here. <laughs> you know, I'm hunting. And it wasn't a half hour later, I sent him the picture to deer. <laughs> He's like, wow, you don't mess around. I said, well, you know, it don't always happen like that. But um, the deer come right. He stood in, in that thick stuff in that little draw, catching thermals, drifting down in that low spot. I mean, barely visible. You know what I mean? But they can sense that. Um, but my wind was was good. Um, 
Yeah, and he come right up twenty yards, and I, and I shot him. And he was an old deer. I mean, he was he wasn't nothing for horn, but I mean, his teeth were wore down pretty good for that area of West Virginia. It was a it was a good deer. So, yeah, and I had like I said, I missed a big deer in, in um, North Dakota a couple of weeks earlier. I'm like, oh man, it's all downhill. I'm gonna just start stacking them up. And I never pulled my bow back the rest of the year on a deer all the way into. December into January, I even hunted a little bit. That's just right. crazy how hot it is. I'm like, zero's golden here. I'm going to stack them up like firewood. And yeah, no, it didn't yeah, happen it, at all. Yeah, it, you know, this but, came as a quick as it's as quick yeah. as it left. The uh, so the east wind. I was I was curious as you were talking about that. You got an east wind, but he still kept doing similar to what you were seeing on camera. Yeah, I feel like there was no pressure there that he wasn't. He wasn't really bothered by that east wind. Maybe catching a little thermals. I forget which where my. Th- I mean, I was good. I don't know if I was. Maybe that ditch was. I think maybe the ditch was. Maybe only fifteen. To, you know, to where my my wind and something. It was just. I was up high enough. I think. I could still feel a little bit of a breeze. That it wasn't. It wasn't like it was dropping, and because he was right. Right there, but. but um, yeah, a lot of, I mean, you'll find deer, these big deer will walk with a wind to their back if they're safe, you know, and, and I, I did talk about how the deer, the longer they go without getting spooked and harassed, they're going to take more, they're going to let their guard down, you know, um, and it, it also comes into play, not just, I, you know, based a lot of my hunting on pressure, but then now off times, not, you know, how the, how the pressure is affecting, but when is the pressure affecting them? You know, I did a lot of late season hunting with, with having my excavation business. I'm trying to get into early season this year. Like I said, um, uh, I was up putting some, finding some cuts, trying to find some bucks early season to where the pressure's down, easy access, you know, a lot of cover, a lot of food and, um, try to catch one living in, in those areas early. I mean, first three days of Pennsylvania, I'm hoping to, capitalize on one it's going to get just tougher from there and as you get more guys coming in then the deer might start tend to you know they're not really maybe in tune to that uh when the hunters are there that early you know they might be you know all mature deer are all really in tune to any predator but um you know you can catch them i think them first couple days or so catch one i'm just right now searching for that deer i don't have anything in mind i have more rat areas uh, mid-october into november i got areas but i'm kind of spanning out and looking for these october um more so cuts that haven't that people maybe overlooked you're not even seeing them on spartan forge or, or any map that um not everything is you know maps aren't always right on to you know you get into two three years um goes fast and these maps sometimes don't have these cuts so I'm trying to find things that aren't really designated on maps because what you do, like everybody else is onto them. So it takes some time, a little more boot work to uh, you, find do, these cuts. Do you think it's a lot harder to find a cut that isn't tamp- tampered with anymore at this point? Because, I mean, in my my passing, it's hard to not find one that doesn't have some level of, of human influx. I mean, there's definitely some cuts that I've found in the areas that I hunt that wouldn't have as much human activity as you think however it's not void of it yeah it's the cuts are risky like i I get into rut uh i don't even mess with a lot of them because hunters are in there and the deer they associate that with danger if they already been in a you know you get a six seven year old animal that 
associated cuts with danger and scent. They're going to go downwind and smell, check, and um, there's only coming there at nighttime. But um, I found one that yeah, you were talking about to me scouting the other day that was a steep hill, maybe, I don't know, not a huge cut, 20, 30 acres, and um, the road winds up through it, but it had, to, it had enough cover in there maybe um some beach uh beach brush and or birch brush that uh i feel like with the brows they could just lay down and get up as a vehicle comes by as you know but then again it's i don't know that bucks are using i did see some good buck tracks on a sandy road but they might have been just walking the road and feeding they might not i, I need to find out if they're actually living in in that cut during the daytime that's the biggest thing you know what i mean so I kind of circled that cut in different trails and leading to different um, key places, uh, a drainage, um, some hemlocks, um, lower elevation, um, just an open piece of wood connecting that with a, 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 another open area, cut um, area. So just going to see what um, I'm still learning. If I don't have anything in place for the first week of archery, I'm, I'm still trying to find that out of way spot that the bucks are feeding in, you know, early, early on. So. Well, so some of those places that you're scouting now, you put some videos up Were some of those places stuff that you had done a little bit of on the boots stuff in wintertime. Cause I know you were doing a bunch of late season hunting and putting some boots on the ground and chasing some stuff to that. Are you hunting new areas to that? Or was that kind of, uh, prompted by what you were doing in late season at all? No, this is a new area, but I remember like two years ago, uh, in a winter, I drove up through and it was pretty much fresh cut. And I just kind of wasn't, wasn't an area that I was hunting, you know, and I, this summer I said, man, that thing should be prime, you know, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of human traffic. Like I think, uh, in through hunting season roads and I bet there's hunters, but I said, man, this could be this could be money. Like these first three, four days, I feel like before they get in tune with hunters, I feel like this. I don't know that. I'm still learning with my cameras. You know, I I, I have a feeling there's a lot more does and yearlings there, just from the amount of trails and and and, and the deer shit I'm seeing. It's a lot of smaller stuff, but I did see on on one of the roads sand. I seen. Um, couple big buck tracks maybe two of them were hanging out coming through but um but i'm not certain if they are actually living there so i'm, I'm just hoping them cameras will tell me that you know what i mean but yeah i'm always like I'm always scouting because it's always evolving changing they, they do herbicide sprays and then they come in and clear cut or they might select cut shelter wouldn't cut it they, there's just a lot of stuff going on hunters move in that they where um I tend to find, you know, different areas or have different areas in mind and just keep going back to them, you know, and, and, and checking them yearly. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of areas you, I drop cameras just to see how, how this year is, you know, if the hunting pressure there, if a deer is in there, you know, but it's always putting boots on the ground, time in the woods and, and driving around and, and, and keeping an open mind to where these deer are. You know, but also trying to find that enough 
concentration of food, which is a cut. You know, you can get in these open, open uh, timber, the open forest that has a fair amount of browse, and it, it's just like the sea. You know, it's like miles and miles across. Like, where are you gonna? Where are you gonna? You can't even. You don't even know. You're just out in the middle of the ocean. You know, it's like to, to catch one. It's tough. You know, um, maybe around a drainage or. And then I feel like them areas might be better when people pressure them to, to areas like that. But I'm thinking early on, I'm, I'm going to transition to to a little more concentration of cuts and food. There's not much. I actually did see some beach uh, when I was up there the other day. That's funny um, you bring that like, up. I've been looking for that. I, people tell me they were seeing some beach. A lot of the places that I was scouting had beach that were just frosted out and hammered with that late frost we got in May. Yeah, I seen two trees. I didn't really focus. They were younger trees but uh they did have beach on it so i do and that's another thing it popped up in my brain when that next time i go up um i got a patch that has a few beach they're starting to die but um if it's hot that you know bears and deer will be in there like like crazy so like that's another thing when i seen that beach you know um but food is the, the main thing and cover and the early season there's a lot of cover so it's mainly food if you can try to get some type of concentration of food then you'll, you'll i think you can catch them bucks hanging out they are feeding pretty heavy that time early october i mean that's the time you know everything's ripe and ready to, to, to um for them to feed on so yeah um i mean that's the plan on- right now but i don't have nothing i don't have like this is where i'm going first day i'm hoping that cut pans out then i haven't we're going to check another cut that it's been it's about three years old but we're going to check that it's a long hike so we're just i might not even have it might come first day archery and i might still be looking i don't know you know what i'm saying i don't yeah yeah have that place are, are you looking for a specific like at, at your point in your your hunting career where you're at and stuff like what are you looking for that tickles your fancy i guess like is it a, is a certain caliber of deer i mean i know you're looking for a mature buck but is it you know, not all mature bucks are created equal either. I mean, are, are you looking sort of at a game of inches thing too, or like what's your, what what's fueling your fire a little bit? Well, I think for a lot of years I was in game of inches. I was looking for the biggest buck out there, the largest rack. And my buddy said, you know, just shoot a mature deer. And I'm like, no, I want the biggest rack deer out there. And because I was finding those deer in the last few years i am torn between that and shooting a mature deer because i do hunt five six states and it's like i needed to shoot one 30 130 plus deer and, and just go to the next state but i have a hard time to get out there and it's like yeah but that 150 he's alive he's over in that area then i i start looking for him because i want to like i get torn on on stuff like that i i it's a whole subject that would be good conversation is because you're when you're onto one animal, whether it is the, the size of the rack or just maybe it's the characteristic of him, you know, his rack or age or you get laser focused and it, you can really go all in and man, you can learn way more of this one creature and be laser focused and you start having two or three bucks that are maybe 130 or something like that that are all comparable and you don't it doesn't really like you say really pickle your fancy i get kind of goofed up because i'm like well 
I go, and then I just look at like, where's my odds, my best odds, you know, and, and it's weird. Like you don't always know everything about them when you got three or four animals, you know, you're kind of know a little bit about every one of them, you know, but when you get that one, which it's been a while since I've had that one, I got a big eight this year. Um, and then he's probably been 150 and eight for three years now. Um, and you know, come rut, I think I might just solely hunt him because I feel like there's a lot of hunters in the area, and I think I found where he's hanging out. I mean, they're I feel like his uh, area shrinks to a certain degree, and, and all in the last three, uh, what was 20? Yeah, in the last, this will be the third year um, that I know about him, and, and I run cameras, and then I I start learning where he isn't. You know what I mean? And it just starts getting to a smaller area that I, I feel like he hangs out in. And I feel like I said earlier, it could be the vast area, but, um, you know, when you get pressure guys hunting the area, it'll really shrink where he's going to want to be safe. And, and I recently have been just talking about safe areas. Like me and Bo did a podcast, I think it was for Exodus there. Um, at the total archery challenge and you know him asked Bo and Bo had a whole list of what he goes through and and started talking about you know different spots and scrapes and a ton of great information and I was like wow man my head was spinning you know like man Bo really got an outline of this scrape ain't working I'm going to go to here and then this creek and that and I'm like and it's great but there's uh it's like a wormhole you can really get overwhelmed as a new hunter or someone and like i asked myself when he said all this info which was wonderful i said man i need to learn more <laughs> you know what i mean but i was like it's a it's a wormhole that you can go down learning about scrapes i've seen so many it's all situational i've seen so many there's not to me no black and white to wear this is a primary scrape or this is a secondary this is a breeding scrape. This is this to mature deer will hit this. There's mature deer that don't hit scrapes. There's mature deer don't associate with other deer scrapes. You know, they're, you know, and as far as hunting cuts, people are covered, you know, you get so focused on stuff like this, but you know, your situation could be totally different. You know, there might be no pressure and, you know, and, there, there could be deer scrapes in daylight and stuff like that. But, um, I always, my hunting is pressure based, you know, hunting pressure to where I, I said, where, like, and learning more as I get older and like this big eight, um, where I just, you know, cause there's no rhyme or reason. He don't hit certain, you know, it's just like, he's like a satellite. He knows about the other deer in the area. This is what I could tell you. And a lot of mature like this, that, you know, he does know what the population, you know, the herd is, you know, where the other deer are living and, and, and he checks on them from his safe areas and his vantage points and whatever is nocturnal air, you know, being going out at night. But, but then you, and I ask myself, where is he during the daytime? And the big best thing I can come up with is he's in a safe area, you know, like, this deer is a ton of pressure and he found this safe area. You throw everything out the window, rub scrapes. That's just telling you this deer exists. 
I mean, you can get into rub hunting, scrape hunting, and then, but that's a whole, like, as I said, that's a whole, it's different situations, different animals, deer act differently, you know, so there's not one way to say, this is how you hunt a rub line, or this is how you hunt scrapes or follow, like, where's this animal when you get into hunting pressure and this deer is surviving, where is he safe? Where are the safe areas? So I go into it. I know Cam said, what are you looking for this year? I said, I'm looking for a safe area that a buck is safe. <laughs> That's it. I, I try to, I said, how can I, I when, when he asked, I said, well, what am I looking for, John? And it was a safe area for this deer to survive. And, and it's mainly daylight during hunting season, even into early November. I know a lot of these mature deer are still nocturnal till the 10th, 12th of November. I've seen it. You know, they don't come out or they don't leave their safe areas, their beds, you might call them, or in like these bigger areas, fast pieces of forest. It's not isolated beds because there's a lot of randomness to where they bed, you know, and it's uh, an area that you got to find that is easy, you know, and it seems like it's all easy. You know, they get lazy, you know, not lazy, but it's just, it's way, it's easy for them. This is easy. I thought. I'm close to the rest of the deer population. I'm in a safe area, you know. Um, he probably starts his walk at, at half hour before dark, and he knows that first 100 yards is safe, and he's there before light. You know, he probably has the thermals right, or he can at least hear that first 100, 200 yards, you know, whichever direction he plans on going for that nightly run. But um, And I feel like you can get in these areas and just throw like once you do so much scout and throw a lot out the window as far as um rubs and scrapes and just hunting around where you think he's at and, and i'm i'm talking vast pieces of land you know that right um i can narrow it down to 30 acres you know that he he likes this area you know not like a one acre patch you know what i mean and mm -hmm. just kind of just get on the fringes of that know that there's some there's cover, there's a little, you're going to get up and walk around, defecate, eat during the day, even though, you know, and um, just kind of milling around there. But I, I'm just talking about forest bucks with brows and bigger, you know, or like you get like a mass acorn crop that's just ridges, you know, it's kind of the same deal, you know what I mean? But um, just where, the, where are these mature deer safe for the most part? You know, and, and that, like I said, that that's a moving target because, like you said, with pressure, it's a moving target. But I mean, I, I've found situations where deer feel safe even in and around pressure. They just have a vantage point where they can keep keep tabs on things. I, like I know the buck, uh, one of the bucks we killed last year, uh, where we killed him was man, that was within we killed him within 150 yards of the road, and he just had one specific spot that he was was bedding on a, on a knob but it was at the edge of a cut and he had the wind advantage and he could had a visual advantage of some roads and where, where he bedded i mean he was very close to an access road that you know people walked up and down all season long i mean i saw trucks parked at that one spot multiple times and i know that there's permanent tree stands on the back side of this cut that people were walking this access road to and uh that that buck died you know right along that all that pressure so that I, I bring that up to say everything you brought up, John, I agree with, but at the same time, we can also overthink this whole thing so yeah. much. And like we get ourselves into a, into 
just going in circles. And at the end of the day, they're wild, free-ranging animals, and there's there's got to be a little bit of a uh, little bit of bit of odds, you know, stacked in your favor just to to you know, if you, if you do everything right, you, you, deer still got to cooperate. Yeah, they're not. Sometimes we think they're immortal. Yeah. Like they're not. Like you said, they still have like us. You still got to drive to work every day, and there's people that die in car crashes every day. You know, so they're gonna go eat and feed and breed and and like you said with the deer close to the road i'm I just a situation i'm thinking of is a parking lot and this flat area and everybody goes back this gated road and the wind blows uh it's a east-west road and, and the people park on the south side and walk south but the wind carries on a southwest pretty south southwest goes across the road and and I stopped and I looked across the road and there's a monster rub like right when the leaves started falling in October I said this sucker's across the road all the signs back they're going back in the cuts and that and I said he's probably chances are and you I can see that rub maybe another 40 50 yards he might be just laying right there like you said you know and you can overthink a lot and um want to hunt scrapes and rubs and food and this and that and let's you know go down to all that and just forget the simple thing is that they just got in like you said a vantage point whether it's hearing seeing you know and knowing what's going on there just he's just laying right over there you know what i mean and do it's you, like do you have any bucks that like them. like you have experience whether you killed them or had experience hunting with that exact scenario that you just brought up yeah, definitely. I, this one deer, he was hunting. There was these two roads that met, and he lived right up on the corner, and it was vast forest up behind him. Nobody come from there, and he would just lay. I seen him several times lay there, and the one time he was with a doe, he was probably fifty yards off the road, like at the inside corner of them roads, and I said, I'm going to get above him, and I remember I was just going to kind of sit up there. I said, there was acorns up above him. It was a pretty, it's a pretty wild story. A big seven point, big wide rack, broken horn, like monstrous body deer, you know, and uh pretty badass deer to have. And, and I got above him. I actually took my shoes off. I was in my sock and I was creeping down. And uh I know they were on a bench, maybe 50 yards below me. I couldn't see them, you know, and the wind was coming up the mountain. But as soon as them thermals switched, and I, I started feeling drop. That doe, he got up first. He was with her. And she started to come up. She was going to feed on them acorns up. And boy, he I could hear him right behind her. You know, I seen her at 30. He come up and it was dead calm. And he had ran. He got a whiff of me. I thought it was a pig running down through the he was snorting. And like it was, it scared me. He ran crashing through the forest you know what i mean but that deer lived right right where that road intersected it was like a t you know and i know a lot of these deer or you know i find a lot of these deer once you some places you park or you're already out of the game when you park your vehicle like they're already you slam your door you're parked the game's already up you know so i do find myself keep being aware of that you know over the years um but they're laying there listening and watching. They're close to the roads, and they want to know where everybody parks and stuff like that. So I do find myself parking way up the road and coming back, you know, and trying to find these deer that 
or, or living close to these parking spots and stuff like that. And I think a deer like that too, like they're they're very personality oriented. Like not all deer act the same way in that thing. The thing that comes to my mind as you're bringing this up, there was a buck that um, I hunted with uh, one of my hunting buddies for a number of years, and he was fortunate enough to kill him. But we started noticing a trend the older he got on on these cameras. Like he would he was betting in this nastiest block of uh, briars and brambles, but it was literally 50 yards off of a road that we drove on constantly. I mean, that, that deer had to have heard all sorts of equipment and tractors and trucks and ATVs all year long driving past him. And the reason I know that is because I cross-reference dates, and when I'd look at camera pictures, man, that deer would be the first the first deer out on camera in the afternoons because he was bedding so close and he just got so used to it and so comfortable. And I, I know that's a little bit different than a, than a, than a private land piece, but that's all to say, like they just have different tendencies sometimes. And I just find that that's, what's unique. And I think it's why we get so fascinated with single deer and following a single deer, because you just get attached to certain characteristics, whether it's the antlers or the way they behave and trying to figure out how to kill them. Yeah, and like that spot I was talking about with them cuts that this year that I actually, there's a lot of roads through it, oil well roads that zigzag. I mean, there's probably not an area 150 yards wide that you're not going to run into another road. And I'm just kind of like, this is going to be, I guess, maybe my sixth sense. I'm like, this is going to keep guys out. Too many roads. But I'm like, the, the cover, like I said, the beak brush and the, um, you know, early october it's it's still a jungle a very few select trees that you can get in i'm like browse foods there i'm like this might uh, this could be spot to kill you know and, and like just my sick senses learning to i'm getting in around these roads but i'm being smart about it and, and knowing that what they know and what they're looking for when a guy i'm not parking anywhere near there you know i'm gonna park I didn't plan it, but if, if I catch one of them deer on, I'm going to park long ways away and hike in and probably before light, or, or maybe I, I feel like sometimes it's maybe around when the birds start chirping, I get a little more sound cover. You can maybe get in there maybe after light and just catch one, get up moving around and just bed down when a vehicle comes by, you know, just kind of living with these, these vehicles and, and, people being around and just them being in tune to that. So yeah, I think just like you said, it's, it's something that I'm keying in on and, and just being really aware of, you know, and actually using more, I'm used to start, starting to use that more to my advantage mm -hmm. with the deer that, like you said, are going to be laying in that thick shit right by these vehicles. And I think for the most part, it's going to keep guys out because there's too many roads, but I mean, just deal with it. You know what I mean? I guess, they are. Yeah, so. right. Completely different topic of discussion, but I, I wanted to ask you, I know you, you did a bunch of late season hunting last year, and you've done a lot of late season hunting in the past. Um, you know, The past few years, you've still been doing a lot of that, because one of the things that I would love to get better at is late season hunting. Because there are years where I don't kill a buck, or maybe there's years that I want to shoot or, or hunt somewhere else. Maybe I have a buck tag filled in PA, but I, I want to go and I want to try in you know, one of our neighboring states. Um, yeah. I, I keep saying I want to shoot a buck with my flintlock in PA. That's a that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a big bucket list thing for me to do. Me too. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's t that's a tough time of year, and I know you've you've 
done a bunch of that in the past. Are you still doing a lot of that? Yeah, last year I was in PA down Ohio, but man, the you know, and it's all weather related to me. I mean, food and weather. And it's like last year, right after Christmas, we had a, a it was a rainstorm that finished up with snow. And I like, and I went up and hunted with my flintlock. And it was during, I think the rain and snow came through Christmas. And it was, that's when I wanted to be hunting some crazy, windy, rainy deer freaked out running, you know, um, with the trees cracking and stuff. And it was on the back side of that or right before it maybe you know but uh, it was the back side of the storm we had like an inch or two of snow on top of frozen leaves and ice and dead calm for two three days and i just couldn't i i actually the big eight i was talking about I actually went into where i think he was and um i seen where three deer were were feeding i could see their horns in the snow where they were pawing up ferns and and even though it was crunchy i mean i had no choice i followed the biggest deer and they he split off the other two and he went up across the beaver pond and he went up the other side and um and i bumped him he was feeding again when i bumped him and i gave him a half hour and he went across the flat and i was walking across the flat i walked right up on him feeding but i think it was at eight he didn't have horns on his head i had probably 50 yards i pulled up on the muzzleloader and i just kept staring i'm like then I actually followed him after I he just sensed something of it caught my wind, but I was I had five minutes to stare at him, no horns, big belly chest, dark ox, you know. And then when I had when he ran, I, mean, I just kept following him and, it, and he went over a mile and it took me into the night. It was like one in the afternoon and I followed till dark and I got on the next morning just to learn about this animal. He just ended up going right back to where he started did a huge circle and, and it was pretty wild where he ran. Um, I relate to the safe areas or I even talk about scenes where two things meet, maybe a piece of private, a piece of public, you know, all your people were going in hunting like this and they're just like that spot. I'm not going to there, you know, um, cause I'm too close to the private or public or vice versa. And it just, they feel a cushion where they can filter through, but this buck run right along a, a highway two-lane highway for probably 500 yards mm. and there was no parking spots along there along the highway and to the north there was like logging roads or oil roads and whatever that that came in and people a lot of hunting pressure but they didn't go they didn't walk over toward that highway i mean they might be two three hundred yards from it like i'm like no the road's over there like everywhere no i'm going to he run right along that road about 100 to 120 yards away from that highway fall right on his rub lines i mean not like every 50 feet but every 80 yards you know like i'm like he knows this he ran this there's no much you know that was his theme that he felt comfortable and you couldn't barely see vehicles on that highway you know what i mean like this this is not going to run a camera there this year this is where he runs. You know what I mean? This is a comfortable, safe place for him to be traveling if he has to go a certain distance. You know what I mean? That nobody, you know, it's just crazy following these animals and seeing, you know, how they, but I said, this is, this is probably that big eight because he run, right, you know what I mean? Um, 
I, I love yeah, late season scouting. Sorry to cut you off. I love late season scouting, but that's a story like that where you're hunting the deer in late season. You've got the same conditions as that. Late I, to me, I gain more out of that than I do when I'm, you know, backpack on and, and just hiking new areas and not really in hunt mode. Cause like I scout mode and hunt mode for me are a little bit different. I don't know how mm-hmm. it is for you, but like when you're still in, in what I what I would say hunt mode in late season and stuff like and following a deer with that route's like to me I I learn more in a situation like that than anything. Yeah, definitely tracking a deer in the winter, even if you bump them like that one. For instance, I said he don't have horns, but I'm following his deer because I want to learn. I think this is I think I know this animal. I want to see where he goes, where he runs, and light bulbs went off. I'm like, oh, this is how he survives. Did a big circle back to that safe area. So, and I think that safe area that I originally bumped him with, with a couple other deer, I think that might be kind of where he hangs out, kind of a bowl area, some drainages, beaver pond there. Um, you know, an area that I feel like during the rut, that's where he's safe in the rifle maybe even, you know, but um, yeah, they was conditions were bad last year. Muzzle loader was crunchy. And then another deer that, uh, I had dropped the camera on a point at his mountain. Um, I just, we, we put a drive on, I dropped that camera and, and I haven't hunted that spot in years because there was hunting pressure. And that's another thing, like pressure comes and goes. Like I, how he said, putting cameras out for like, you know, as the force changes, clear cuts or is it maturing or, or, or wherever it might be also pressure comes and goes and i move out of places and, and i don't and then i give them a year or two and i go back and it's like because the guy I move out because there's cameras or stands and you know they give up on it but it's weird like guys will move in and then they'll they'll move out you know like so i out on this point i said man i haven't been here and we put a gun drive on and i could just sense there there's a lot of deer in there i said no one's really rifling back here and and, and I was right on a point of mountain. I dropped a camera, rifle season, and I wanted to go camera, get that camera and muzzle loader. It was still crunchy like that. I pulled the camera, and when I pulled it, I was walking out on this point, you know, kind of a broad point. Um, and I caught a big buck track that come up out. It was fresh, and there were some blowdowns. And big buck, I know it was the buck. Well, anyways, I, I didn't know what deer it was, so I later checked my camera. Um, and he was on it, but it was a 10, good 140 class, 10, mm. big, maybe pushing 50. And he was laid in that blowdown and he, I bumped him. He ran out and he, he did a circle back to where he originated. But, um, he was at same, and it was crunch, like he made it through and it was crunchy. And yeah, if the weather was right, I probably either, you know, well, that one didn't have horns. I got lucky on that one that didn't have horns, but I do find a, one little note to take is, when the deer are bedding in a winter and you bump them, chances are they want, they want to bed. That's what they're wanting to do that instant. So I've always you, you wanted want... to have it with two people where I put somebody at a spot I bumped the deer because I've done that where I've followed the tracks and took me right back to the same spot. Yeah, he goes, they'll do a huge circle or whatever. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. And then the deer that I find feeding, their stomach says to feed, and they'll bump them and they'll run. You give them 20 minutes, and he'll, he'll, his first – 15 minutes looking back, making sure you're there. They need to go to feeding again. And that's a good point when you are tracking these deers. Um, if he's feeding and you bump him, 
give them some time. Chances are you're going to start feeding, and you can get in on them like that crunchy snow. And that one on that point that was bedded, I bumped them. He run out for out the point, down a point, and it's crunched. It's getting dark. I'm like, he's bedded here somewhere. And there's his bed. You know, you've heard me coming a mile away. But the conditions have got to be good for that. I mean, you got to have a little bit of something on your side to cover your. Because you, a lot of times I'm sneaking, you know, when they're bigger woods, getting on a track and following them. But if, you know, if the conditions ain't right. I, I've struggled know. to hunt in good conditions in the place. The places that I hunt, it's not that there hasn't been good conditions snow wise. I'm talking lately. There in, in the state there has, but a lot of the places I hunt, I either a missed them or b we just didn't have them in the first place. So, like it's been a few years since I've had like that good quality snow that you can do like try to track or just yeah. still hunt and still hunt and just have a better hunting experience just for for visual acuity. Yeah, that snow, that fresh snow. It's, I think. Not last year, the year before rifle season, first day, we had a good snow and I tracked and shot one. But, um, man, it's, it take advantage. I mean, I'll, I'll look at whatever state I got tags in. I'm, I'm watching the weather. If I get a fresh snow, even if I'm bow hunting, I mean, I'd like to get there before this. It's like during the storm, like they really, if it's a windy, crazy storm, I find just so much activity. I feel like if there's pressure in the area, these deer trees cracking, wind blowing, that they'll they'll just move like crazy, you know. And then after the storm, you know, they start moving, you know, a day or so. But man, it just helps you so much, especially if you haven't hunted an area right there. The tracks are all there in black and white. You know what's what's left in your area, and there's a good buck track, you know. And I'll just go up roads and see. Catch one crossing a road and stuff like that, you know. Um, and you know, even bow hunting, I've, I've shot him with a bow. Um, one instance, I was down in Ohio, it was a January, and well, it was a snowstorm. This is years back, and I drove all the way down there right after a snowstorm. I said, it's bow season, I didn't have no cameras or nothing, but I hiked mountains and looked for a buck track, you know. And um, I went to one spot, and I it was. 400 foot climb, you know, it's pretty rugged down there. I said, I know there's buck up on that mountain. I like, I fought with myself. My sixth sense told me, go up there, you're going to shoot one. And then my other side was like, I don't want to walk up there. <laughs> you know, I'm like, it was, it was actually almost into February. It was late January. And I was like, the whole, I said, all right, I'll go. It was like someone was telling me, you know, you got to go, you got to go. I'm like, walk all the way up that mountain, like, get on the ridge, walk out the ridge. And, I was almost to the point where the ridge dropped down. It was facing south, and I seen deer. They were one, two o'clock. They were moving, and they come right around the point where it just dropped down. And the three of them didn't have horns, and only one had had horns, you know. And I just, I, I nailed them. It was like forty yards. There was a beast right in front of a big oak tree, and all I remember seeing, I didn't have a rangefinder. All I remember seeing is my arrow here, boom, bounce off the tree. You know, and it was like 44 yards or something, you know, and I walked down there and then I just seen a trail of blood going down the mountain, you know what I mean? But yeah, even with a bow, you can have opportunities at them thing, hunt on the ground a little more and sneak around, you know what I mean? Yeah, you if just you're not afraid to put some miles on, you know? That's just it. I think it's just the, uh, the drive, you know, making sure you get the drive. Like 21, 2020 is when I killed my real big one here in PA. And 2021, I can't lie, like, I had a lack of drive, and I don't know why. It was I was still, like, on the high of killing, you know, a, a giant, and and I, I 
just other stuff going on for whatever reason. Like I just mentally I wasn't there, and then you know I regained it partway through the season. It was too little, too late with the the lack of preparation and everything else, and I didn't kill one in twenty one. And now it seems like it's it's back to normal. But yeah, you got to have the that willingness to to go the extra mile when you're hunting big woods like that because it's it's a different animal. It's just a different animal, but it's so fun. It's so captivating. And it could wear like. Last year I got wore out because I thought, like I said, yeah, I shot one in early October and missed that big one in September, and I and I kept pushing myself. Man, I this can't be it, you know, you know. And I started lose. I lost the drive last year to where we did, uh, you know, I did my muzzleloader hunt, but it was like, yeah, if you don't, if you're not driven, and I know a lot of times with my my excavation business, I was working a lot up through October, so. A little bit of rut and then i'm still in you know I, i'm not working in december and january i'm still ready to go you know or like last year i did do a lot of hunting and man i was wore down you know and i come january february i didn't even want to think about hunting mm. you know and it took me months now i'm like i can't wait but man there's something to learn there you know what i mean like when you're hunting these mature deer and you got to do every you don't like you said they're not immortal but you're going to have better chances if you, you, you do a lot meticulous about your access scent, maybe whatever it is where you're setting up and a lot of effort mentally and physically to where, you know, you start like, sometimes I go to areas an hour before light and I, and I have an hour drive and it's an hour walk. So I'm getting up at two thirty three in the morning. You know what I mean? And that takes a toll on you doing that two, three days. You, you can get, really burned out you know but then the rut's only you know maybe six eight ten days that you're gonna have your best hunting you, you know what i mean and mm. like last year i pushed myself and it was like didn't do any good had some close calls and then like man, i you know and just kept pushing myself and like you said my drive was like man i was wore out you know it's a balancing act i think you gotta where you're gonna be at your best you know what i'm saying I know exactly what you're saying, and that's a moving target, too, because I think life gets, like, for me, life gets in the way, uh, as it does with everybody, and it's trying to trying to figure out where my time spent. We were talking about, I just thought of this when you were talking about um, getting the right conditions to go tracking. I was thinking about it as you were talking about that. Last year, it would have been during the second week of our, oh, no, I lie. It would have been after our gun season closed was the uh, the second week of gun season in New Jersey, and they also had bear season open. And I'm on a kick right now. I want to shoot another bear for some reason. And we had perfect mm-hmm. snow conditions over there. And I was so close to, like, just pulling the trigger and wanting to go because I thought maybe that's my best opportunity to get on a bear track and, and, and take it and see where it takes me. And uh, one of the issues I had was I burned out a lot of my vacation and I burned out a lot of my uh, – uh, for lack of a better term, my, my brownie points with my wife and, and taking more yeah, time yeah. off and go, going away. And they're like, that it's, that's a balancing act. So it is, but you know yeah. what, what, whatever keeps it fun, but man, this has been, uh, this has been a fun one. I always enjoy, enjoy this uh, and appreciate you coming on the show again. Um, make sure, uh, make sure to follow you. You do most of your stuff on Instagram, following you through the season. You try to post a little bit here and there. Yeah, definitely. I'm, uh, trying to 
because most people message me, man, if you put some good info out there, so I try to help people out. And I get focused on getting out of my vehicle, going scouting when we're on limited time. I'm like, right, let me stop and make a video, you know, for kind of, you know, people tell me, like, just what's going through your brain? What are you seeing? What are you looking for? And so, yeah, I try to get stuff out to be able to, you know, help them out. And I've been doing some consulting for people. Um, if you want to shoot me a message on Instagram or my email is Stuart14967 at Gmail. Um, but yeah, just trying to help people um, the best I can. I just know it took me a lot of years to gain this knowledge. And, you know, um, if I could help someone with some shorter terms to be successful, you know, that's good. And maybe have some more success out there, you know. So. There's something about doing it with people and helping people too, because like experiencing, you know, somebody else shoot one and you were a part mm -hmm. of it is, is almost just as good. Yeah. And then I've been helping a fair amount of guys and, and it's just, you know, anytime you're talking hunting is great and you get hearing some other hunting stories and it's helped me learn, you know, and then sharing pins and them telling me where they see deer. I said, great, go to this spot. Let me know what you see. I'm anxious, man. I'm, you know, and it's so it's it's helping me learn from yeah, them vicariously you know through I mean? them, so, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm educating myself, and they'll be like, some guys that I'll say, I would go here, and he said, that's where I hunted last year. It was a good spot. It makes me feel good. So I'm like, okay, and it helps me for the next guy, like pat myself on the back, you know, kind of thing. Like like it was like a test, you know, and it okay, so feel pretty confident and, and stuff like that. So yeah. That's good, about it. Good deal. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. I uh, appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Mitchell.